Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. My friend Elise encouraged me to share my story of my first miraculous healing of Lyme's disease for this episode to encourage anyone who needs a miracle and doesn't know how to receive it. I will also be sharing the story of another miracle healing that was intertwined with mine as well. Most importantly, this is about you learning how it works to surrender your illness to the Lord and watch what he can do. This story and many others like it are in my Clips That Move Mountains second edition book. I'll have that link below. I received my Lyme's disease diagnosis only weeks before getting the downloaded assignment to write the first edition of that Clips That Move Mountains book. Receiving my miraculous healing was all part of what God wanted shared in that first book. Retrospectively, getting Lyme's disease was a gift. It slowed me down and brought me to a deeper level of relationship with God. It was the beginning of a refiner's fire season that was absolutely necessary for me to grow in Christ enough to be able to fulfill my calling and write this first book as the foundation for the ministry I now have. Even though I got bitten by the Lyme's tick in June of 2009 at my daughter's high school graduation party, I had no idea what it was or what it meant. I saw an unusually large red bump on my thigh that was the size of a silver dollar. It did not hurt or itch, it was just there. I didn't pay much notice to it. However, within three weeks, I had gained 35 pounds, had muscle and joint aches and heart palpitations, and noticed that that red bump had turned into a bullseye mark. We were on vacation in Florida, and my husband took a photo of the mark because he thought it wasn't normal, and I planned to see my doctor about it when I returned. My husband lost his phone while we were on that snorkeling boat adventure, and we lost the photo. And I forgot to go to the doctor about that when I got home. I assumed the weight gain was due to a change in medication. And I remember really yelling at my doctor about that. But I never knew to go deeper with this bullseye bite. If Lyme's disease is not diagnosed within the first six weeks since receiving a tick bite, it is extremely difficult to diagnose. Lyme's is a spirochete. That means it's a corkscrew bacteria that drills into every muscle, bone, and organ and can manifest as so many illnesses. It hides after six weeks, so any test that you take to find it will show up negative unless you take an expensive out-of-insurance test. I finally did take that test and was diagnosed in November of 2011. I canceled all of my work engagements for about three months, expecting to get a specialist and begin three months of treatment. My first clue that God wanted to heal me miraculously was when I prayed to the Lord that he would lead my doctor to the right specialist to recommend. I sat in that specialist's office with my expensive diagnosis, my bite story, and my list of symptoms. When, to my astonishment, this specialist told me that Lyme's disease was a myth and that he was recommending that I see a psychiatrist. To say I lost my mind on this guy is an understatement. I remember telling him as I stormed out of his office that if he charged me for the appointment, I would have the investigative reporters from the news on his doorstep 
because he was clearly completely unqualified and not helping anyone to be considered a specialist in this area. I ranted and raved so much at God, I was so upset on my entire drive home that I took a shower. I was still screaming at God about why he would send me the most unqualified doctor on the planet when I heard a loud, audible voice saying, I am the great physician. Whoa, okay. I felt like Job when he was rebuked, finally, from the Lord. He wanted to heal me. That was clear. I confessed and I repented for my ranting and misunderstanding, my prayer being answered. I knew he wanted to heal me. I just didn't know how it would happen or when it was going to happen. In early February of 2012, Mike Noble from the Cleveland House of Prayer laid healing hands on me and prayed over me. He said he felt the healing power of God shooting through his hands powerfully into my body, and he knew at that moment I was healed. But I expected it to look differently. I had lacked the faith to believe it at that time. This is a really important point. Your expectations and unbelief can prevent you from experiencing miraculous healing. When the Lyme's bacteria dies in a body, it releases toxins and makes you sicker before you get better. This is called herxing. I did feel a flush of herxing symptoms when Mike Noble prayed over me, and then every time I was prayed over for Lyme's, I felt them again. But the everyday symptoms of Lyme's did not only remain, but got stronger for more than a year after that initial prayer session. I knew that in God's heavenly timeline, I was already healed because God had done his part. I just needed to believe for my part of it. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. I figured God had some work to do in me before it would be fully manifest in my body. I expected it to be a long process. That's part of the problem too. Mike used to argue with me that God can evaporate toxins and I didn't need to go through all that herxing pain if I believed in the healing. Of course he was right, but I just didn't believe it yet. I think I frustrated him for a whole year. More than a year later, God spoke to me through the experiences we were having with the Christian brother, Tim. Tim had been living with chronic pain from pancreatitis for 14 years. His pancreas was producing stones that released painful enzymes into his body. The pancreas has more pain sensors than any other organ, and he was experiencing pain levels like that of a woman in labor for months. Doctors could not solve this problem, so unfortunately, Tim was told that he would face a life sentence of mind-numbing painkillers if nothing could be done to take this pain away. He was only 28 years old. Tim and his wife Susie were friends of my daughter, Jamel, and my son-in-law, Nick. Jamel asked if we could do a healing session for them at the Cleveland House of Prayer before Tim would need to go to a hospital for a medical procedure that would offer a temporary spinal block of his pain, but no long-term solution. The night before that prayer session, God woke me up at 11.30 with an excitement, an anticipation, and an assurance that God was going to heal Tim. I was so excited to see how God would heal him that I could hardly sleep. 
I learned later that God woke up Jamel and Susie at the same time and gave them the same assurance. With three people getting the same message from God, we knew it was God's will to heal Tim. That kind of assurance certainly increases the confidence we had for the healing. This is another important point. If you believe God will heal, he loves to prove you right. Tim and his family came to the Cleveland House of Prayer, and we had a heck of a prayer meeting. We prayed specific prayers at night, nothing vague or abstract. We prayed that God would knit Tim a new and healthy pancreas, and that he would heal from any residual damage that his poorly functioning organ had left in its wake. Miraculously, God dialed his pain down to a zero, simply to increase his faith for his intention. Tim was completely pain-free for five hours. He had not experienced pain-free in years. But just as like I did when Mike prayed for my healing, Tim was in a zombie-like state of disbelief. He just couldn't wrap his head around it. His wife Susie believed that he was healed, but he did not. And the next day, his pain returned, and he was discouraged. He went along with the procedure, and a few days later, it didn't work. They came back for a second prayer session a week later, and it was one of the coolest experiences I've had ever. Tim walked into the prayer room with a pain level of about 4 on a 1 to 10 scale, and he seemed readier to believe this time. His pain went down to about a 1, but not all the way. Mike asked if we could sing in tongues over him, and he said, sure. My daughter Jamel was watching Tim and Susie's young daughters down the hallway, and they ran down the hall to hear what sounded like 100 angels singing. Six of us were singing in tongues, and it was like a chorus of angels had joined us. Tim said that he literally felt God lift him off the ground like he was carrying him. He was profoundly moved by the experience and left surer this time that God had healed him. Tim was able to rebuke the pain a few times himself afterwards and understood a little bit more that this was a spiritual rather than physical battle, but he started to lose his faith that God would take his pain away forever. He doubted that he was even worthy of God taking it completely away and was convincing himself that it was something he just needed to live with. He thought that he needed more coping skills. He felt like he was in spiritual quicksand. God wanted him to be pain-free, but the enemy wanted him to be in bondage to this pain. And at the moment, he was agreeing with the enemy. This is our next lesson. The enemy sees you the way you see yourself. If you believe you're still sick, the enemy can work with that and make sure you still feel sick. But if you see yourself completely healed in agreement with what God has just done, your body will begin to agree with that truth at a cellular level. Tim reminds me of Peter. Peter was the first to say out loud that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but he also denied him three times. Then after Jesus was resurrected, sitting around the campfire, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Peter did love Jesus, but he didn't go deeper to really understand the kind of love that Jesus was talking about. But then just a few short weeks after Jesus' ascension, Peter led thousands to Christ in a single speech. Jesus renamed him Simon Peter because he was the rock of the church. Jesus saw something in Peter that wasn't quite there yet, yet he knew he would be a mighty man of God. When Peter caught up with that identity, he became that guy. 
My friend Mary Elizabeth offered a prophetic word for Tim that she had received from God. Your struggle is with your identity. This pain and illness has been with you so long that it has become part of your identity. You struggle with the faith to believe because you are not sure how to live without it. You are wearing this illness like a heavy overcoat, all buttoned up, like a full body covering of you. But it's really a cloak or a small capelet loosely draped over your neck and shoulders. All you need to do is stand straight up, shrug your shoulders, fix your eyes on Jesus and walk forward toward him and it will fall right off. You will be free of it when you choose to be. God wants you to receive this new free identity. Choose to believe and let God free you of this past reality. Let's listen to that last sentence again. Choose to believe and let God free you of this past reality. Your choice to agree with God actually releases the power for him to free you. I shared this message with Tim, but he didn't quite understand it at first. He was still lost and still didn't believe that God really wanted him to be healed and pain-free. How do you know that God wants you to be healed and pain-free? God said that it is for freedom that I set you free. If you were born and chosen of God, he wants you to be set free. There is no person who is bigger or has issues bigger than God to free. After sharing this incredible message with Tim and Susie, I began to look at it as helpful to anyone who's holding on to something as part of their identity that's a form of a bondage. I prayed that God would show me what was hidden in my own heart that I needed to shrug my shoulders off, let go completely, and walk toward Jesus. At that moment, I felt a rush of herxing symptoms. Interesting. This had to do with my own Lyme's disease healing. With this revelation, I knew that I was holding on to Lyme's disease and I needed to let it go. It had become kind of a bondage to me. Later that day, Mary Elizabeth called me and gave me the exact same message. She told me that God wanted me to know that I can decide the day and times of my Lyme's going away. God was ready to take it away completely, but I needed to lay it down on the sacrificial altar and be ready to let it go. Two messages in the same day. I got you, God. So that night, I prayed that God would reveal to me what it would take for me to let it go to him and for him to take it completely away. I didn't realize it quite like this at the time, but what I was asking God to do was to make clear my part to play in the healing. I was asking him what conditions are required for me to be healed. This is the most important lesson for miraculous healing. You must understand that healing is a partnership. God will do his part when you do your part. He is a promise-keeping God. So when you fulfill the condition, he has to heal you because he promises that he will. Listening and obeying are the very minimum conditions for all healing and really for all promise keeping from the Bible. But there may be additional conditions for you specific to your circumstance. What part is God calling you to do for your healing? That's the critical question. So the next day I prayed and I fasted and I listened to worship music all day I imagined myself writing the list of every Lyme symptom that I had ever experienced, each one on an imaginary paper 
fuzzy headaches, earaches, loss of hearing, tinnitus, eczema, heart palpitations, pain in my lungs and kidneys, joint and muscle pain, nerve bundles in my feet, and weight gain caused by a completely shot hypothalamus, restless leg syndrome, neuropathy. I imagine myself going to the cross and laying this sheet in front of the cross. I imagine Jesus hanging there above my head, dripping blood on me and on the paper. I was talking with him and asking him not to let me take it back. I had lots of real face-to-face conversations with Jesus that day. I got sicker and sicker as the day went on. I napped wearing earphones and kept waking up to songs about God wanting me to be free and God is my healer. By evening, I had a splitting migraine and needed to just go to bed. I woke up at 8.26 and I vomited a very large quantity of liquid, which was odd because I really hadn't ate or drank much that day. This kind of thing is common for healing sometimes. You purge something. It doesn't always happen, but I learned later that it's common. At 9.26, I had another round of vomiting, and the strangest thing happened. It was what I imagined being beamed up on the Star Trek Enterprise would feel like. A static, electric feeling under my skin, this time on my arms and legs, that lasted about 15 seconds. Then, what felt like God having an eraser swipe, swipe, swiping it away. It was like a whiteboard that he was erasing, and I was aware that God was taking it away, and I praised God for it, and I fell back asleep. At 10.26, I woke up, vomited again, went back to bed, and had the exact same experience, only this time I could feel it in my torso. I could feel it in my chest and belly and all over my back. It was the same electrical feeling and the same eraser swiping. It was so cool. I was praising God even more. And then at 11.26, I woke up and had my fourth and final episode. I felt the same odd feeling in my neck and up into my pounding head. And then the feeling of it being swiped away another two times. I started to cry. I knew that he had covered my entire body. And I said, from my lips, you drew the hallelujah. It was a line from one of my favorite songs, Jason Castro's Hallelujah. And God gave me the most incredible glory bumps. I woke up one more time three hours later. This time, I was completely pain-free. No headaches, body aches. It was finished. I praised and thanked God even more. God is so cool. What an amazing assurance that he had given me. When I woke up for the final time in the morning, I knew that Lyme's disease was gone. It served a purpose for a season, but God didn't want it to be part of my identity and allowed me to leave it at the foot of the cross. God gave me the glimpse of a pain-free, complete healing. And God is faithful and always finishes what he starts. Amen to the King of Kings. Are you wondering what all those 26s were about? I knew that it wasn't a coincidence, so I looked up all verses with the search colon 26. And God led me to Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen and amen. And things are possible for you, too. Well, whatever happened to Tim? 
Tim was really struggling for about a month after his healing miracle and was in a real funk. His pain was back with a vengeance, and his wife Susie, Jamel, and I decided we needed a Jesus encounter for him. So we prayed that Jesus would show up in his dreams and give him a road to Damascus experience like the Apostle Paul did that would increase his faith. We really believed that if he could see and feel the love of Jesus up close and personal, it would change his life. We were not about to tell God how to go about doing that, but we wanted God to show Tim how much he loved him and that he is the one telling him he really wanted him completely healed. Tim had to go back to the hospital because his pain level was out of control and his pain medicine was gone. So he spent a week in the hospital just on medication to cope with the pain. It wasn't until the night he got home from the hospital that he told Susie about the dreams. He didn't even want to share the dreams because they were horrifying. The dreams happened over several days and were mostly terrifying to Tim. There were some where Tim was getting beat up and others where he was shot or knifed. They were horrible battle dreams and he kept getting back up. These were not like dreams, he said. They were realer than real. In one of the dreams, the battle killed Tim, and he wound up at the gates of heaven. There he encountered Jesus and was given a glimpse. God told him that he was a man of his word, and because Tim had accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, he was welcome to come into heaven. But God had much bigger plans for him, and he had not risen up and served God fully. This is an important point because the enemy's job with illness is to keep you from your kingdom destiny, to keep you from impact. If you can keep your eyes fixed on your illness, then he can keep you from doing the job that God has created you to do. God showed him the heaven has floors. The lowest levels are for those who accepted Christ but did very little to love people or advance the kingdom. And the higher floors were for people who earned crowns of righteousness and service and with high fruit bearing. This dream was the glimpse of the choice that Tim would make to not agree with God for his healing. Tim would spend eternity in one of the lower levels. He was still standing at the gate, but God allowed him to peek through. Tim fell on his knees in regret for not having done more for God. Next, God showed him how things would work out for his wife and children. They would grieve but eventually move on and serve God well. Then God showed him what his life could look like if he chose to live for God. Tim saw himself completely healthy and his family totally happy together. They were serving God with high fruit bearing and with joy. It was God's will for him to be healthy and happy. When Susie heard these dreams, she was jumping around for joy, and Tim was confused by this reaction. She shared that there was a direct answered a prayer and explained to Tim that God loved him so much that he wanted to make it abundantly clear that he wanted him healed and pain-free so he could continue serving and loving him. She pointed out that if it was God's will for him to die young, then he would be in heaven right now, but that the real point of this dream was to, to show him that it was his choice to agree with healing. God gave him the chance to make it right What a loving and merciful God we have. Tim had been looking at those dreams like a death sentence, but they were actually given to give him hope. A short time later, Tim learned that the pain he was still feeling was not from pancreatitis. It was from his pain medication. The addiction to the pain meds was causing the pain. The cycle of needing the meds and then taking them and having them wear off was causing him 
pain. Tim knew that God wanted him whole and healed, so he admitted himself into a rehab center for pain medication addiction and is now drug-free. God birthed a calling in his heart to help people who are in bondage to drugs and other addictions. He is free. Praise God that Tim finally caught up to the healing that God had done in his body and that he is whole and healed. He's able to be more attentive to his family and he's able to serve the Lord well. Tim recalled, One of the biggest things I learned from the whole ordeal was that I was depending on the medication to handle my pain. I realized that the medication was separating me from my relationship with Christ. That can be true of anything. We try to make our Savior. Only Jesus Christ is your Savior. Tim said, Before I had a shaky foundation, but now God is allowing me to build a strong foundation in him, one brick at a time. He is seeing God for his will and regaining his strength. God is now more able to bless him because he's no longer fighting with God. God is planting seeds and preparing him for service in the future, and he has found victory over other strongholds as well. God is a real blessing in his family. Tim's wife Susie is a gifted poetic writer, and she sent me a prayer that I think sums up how it feels to be living beyond bondage. Here it is. Lord God, today I celebrate progress, like Abraham walking down Mount Sinai with Isaac alongside him, like Job surrounded by new prosperity and blessings, like Joshua standing amidst the rubble of a freshly fallen Jericho, like Joseph in his royal garments as he embraced his brothers, like Mary when she saw the risen Christ and touched the wounds of his hands. I will celebrate my progress today. Having defeated death by the grace of God, I stand on the rock of salvation and take it all in that the Lord has done for me. The moral of these stories is that God stands waiting for you to ask him through prayer for big miracles. He wants only the best for you. You just need to have the boldness to be asked and be ready to obey his direction and receive the blessings when they come. This is not magic. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. After Jesus ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit was given to them, the apostles were able to perform miracles as great as Jesus did. Acts 5, 12-16 says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them in beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Did you catch that even Peter's shadow had healing power? This is the divine perimeter of God on you when you believe and abide in him long enough. Let me ask you something. Is the Holy Spirit in Peter different than the one that's in you or me or any believer? No, it's the same exact Holy Spirit. All believers who have faith can pray for anything that is God's will, and God will answer those prayers even if they seem impossible to man. The closer you get to God, the more you align your head and heart with His, and the more you will pray according to His will and obey God's direction in partnership to see miracles in your life. 
and in the lives of those you minister to. What healing miracle are you needing from God? He is absolutely bigger than any illness, mental, physical, spiritual, or emotional. Are you ready and willing to partner with God to receive it? Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After spending some time with Jesus in your special place as a child, ask him, Lord, show me my ideal future having received complete healing from you. What does that look like? And what do I need to do to partner with you to receive it? Make sure you use all the senses of your spirit hear and see and feel. Ask God to show you his plans for you and take all the time you need and record it all in your journal. I hope you were encouraged by that glimpse of the future. I wanted to share a really important opportunity coming up. If you are in any way feeling like you're being held back from your destiny by physical, emotional, spiritual, or mental issues, I encourage you to pray about attending the Breakthrough Spirit Life Workshop, October 21 to 23 of 2022 in Lebanon, Oregon. Receive your breakthrough with three days of Jesus encounters, miraculous healing, and equipping for your calling. Continue praying. If God wants you there, he will make it clear and he will make the way. Email me at patty at pattysadala.com or check out our website, which will hopefully be live by the end of June. That address is spiritlifeworkshops.com, and the link will be below. But like I said, it may not be live until the end of the month. We're praying for registrations to begin July 1st. God has promised us miraculous things for everyone in attendance and an equipping for destiny, and calling. I hope to see you there. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.